You are listening to the Daily Homily for Magdala in the Holy Land. When the days were completed for their purification according to the law of Moses, they took him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, in accordance with the dictate of the law of the Lord. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Simeon, This man was righteous and devout, awaiting the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. He came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform the custom of the law in regard to him, he took him into his arms and blessed God, saying, Now, Master, you may let your servant go in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you prepared in the sight of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted. And you yourself, a sword will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years having lived seven years with her husband after her marriage, and then as a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day with fasting and prayer. And coming forward at that very time, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had fulfilled all the prescriptions of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. When you think about some of the greatest people in history and maybe in your own country today, the most powerful politicians, business leaders, and sometimes people post their bios on the internet or on their, when they're applying for jobs. And obviously what's some of the most important things you put on your bio is the school you attended, right? The universities. Well, what is the most important school uh, what are the most important schools around today in the world? 
if you were to list like the top schools in the world, what would be in your top three? In your top five if you can't, because you want your college in there. And I just say to you, the most important school in the world is the family. That's where we learn to talk, to hear and listen and understand. That's where we learn our first language. That's where we learn to relate to others. That's where we learn the beginnings of teamwork. Nowadays, it's a big challenge for a lot of professionals to get people to work as a team. Uh, that's where we learn to do the daily grind. That's a hard thing to learn, to learn to do the daily grind, the daily task. And another reason why this is, the family is the greatest school, is when we look through scriptures, all the scriptures, of the Holy Scriptures, the two most powerful images which communicate the richness of God are taken directly from the main coordinates of family life. The spousal relationship, husband and wife, and the parental-child relationship. God calls Israel, and then in the incarnation, Christ's bride is the church. God calls Israel his spouse, the spousal relationship. That's much more, more powerfully communicating God's love than the, the vine or the clay and the potter, the vine and the branches, the sheep and the shepherd. God is related to us in humanity as with the love, the tenderness, the affection, the attention of spouses. And then God loves us as a father. And he, even if a mother should forget you, I will love you. His love transcends father and mother's love in our earthly experience infinitely. And then as children, we are loved by God. It's always beautiful to see little children. We have them here with the families that are staying with us these months of trouble in this land. And they're little children. And everybody turns to the little children, the waiters, the grandparents, the neighbors, the, obviously the parents themselves. And so family is absolutely a very, very rich reality. And it, from there, God took the most powerful images to communicate, to help us, to, our brains to get who he is, how he loves us. This is very interesting. And then on the other hand, family is very tough and very hard. And it's very hard today for family to succeed. It takes a lot of personal commitment, but it always did. You know, we go back to the very first family and Cain kills Abel. And Eve, in a moment of her weakness, leads her spouse into weakness to live upright. Joseph was a just man. And a word that came to, together today for me was um, one of the things that touches us most deeply, and it's actually the hardest vow in religious life, is obedience. Because our liberty wants to be completely unreined in. It wants to have complete free reign. And where do we learn 
to bring our liberty into a truly healthy place, integrated in our own person and integrated in the liberties in the space we share. It's in the family we learn this. And it's very painful for us when anybody curtails our liberty. The one-way street, you can't go in there. We don't like that. <laughs> I've just arrived at a place and it's raining. No, this is the exit. You have to go to the other door. We don't like being told what to do. There's something about us, and actually that's the core of original sin is disobedience, and it comes from the core of the tempter's sin of rebelling against God. And that's very hard. It's a very hard feature of human life and existence. And the family is the place, in a certain sense, where that wild horse gets trained, <laughs> where that lion has to realize that, okay, we have great dignity in this jungle, in this world, but we're not king of the world. Okay, we're called to kingship in Christ, but it's a redeemed kingship that we need. And we have to learn to live and respect the others and to leave their space to them and to create space for them and to generously give them space so they can develop and develop further and wonderfully. And it's in the family we learn that. And so we have a bunch of words today that they're obedient to the dictate of the law, that they go to the temple to fulfill the liturgical life. Sometimes today families dismiss following the practice of the teaching of our faith to go to Mass on Sundays. So easily we dismiss it. We dismiss prayer. We dismiss praying at meals. We dismiss, we don't have to do it. We, we shirk. We let it go. We, we, we toss it off. And so we live kind of freely, but also deeply impoverished. Because in a certain sense, obedience like the banks of a river brings all that force of that water into a concentrated strength that can reach thousands of miles, the great rivers, that can power generators that create electricity that drives entire economies. And our liberty also needs to be channeled. And the family teaches and coaches that. And it's a multiple-way street because it's not just a two-way street. Uh, parents say, you do this, and the kid has to do it. Many times the parent is constrained to obey that the child today is sick and we can't go on the vacation. And the parents have to learn obedience at another level. And a spouse is in a bad mood and we were planning to have a party and go to dinner. It's going to be very difficult. How are we going to do it? To, it's the learning to accept reality, to become obedient to reality. So there's obedience to God's law, but in reality as well, it's God's presence because he is provident. And he is teaching us through all of this to become people that are molded in heart and soul. We think of Joseph wanting to put away Mary, but he doesn't just do the legalistic approach. There's awesome mercy and tenderness, even though they're not formally married yet, but they're committed and he takes great care not to hurt her. This is the tenderness of family life, because also family members are worth a lot to each other. Worth, that's not a price. They mean a lot to each other. They're a great treasure to each other. And some of the great schools like Harvard and Yale, they want to bring back their students to have student meetings, but that happens at every birthday. 
at Thanksgiving, at Christmas, at Easter, family continues. And family is there to receive the little baby, and family is there to lay the person in the tomb. In my family, there's a bereavement right now. My mother's sister-in-law, her brother's uh, widow, uh, 25 years probably, more or less, after her husband died, she is now gone to the Lord yesterday afternoon on her 90s. And so the, the family's all gathered for that. And other cousins will come in, because when we were all little kids, we were all there with grandparents, and there we knew Auntie Julia. And so it was very special. And now she's gone, and now the family's in a whole different mood. The family comes together, the family supports each other, the families share lots of stories, the family lore grows, the little children hear it, they get to see cousins and uncles that they haven't seen. And it's, it's the growth of the family. The family is such a great thing. Isn't it amazing that God wanted to come in and be incarnate in a family? He could have come anyway, in any form. And he chose to be a little baby. What great lessons are there? Let us pray for families today. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to learn more about Magdala, follow us on YouTube and on Facebook.